Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for who you are. We thank you for uh, your plans. God, we recognize that you are powerful. You are creator of the universe. Uh, and in spite of that, you deem it, uh, you love us. And in spite of how insignificant we are in the context of, of how you see time and space. God, we pray that we would take this uh, realization and value you and the love that you give us today and always. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So how do you prepare for something? Whether it's a, a test, a presentation, or an athletic event, most of us need to take time to build our confidence and competence in whatever it is we're doing. Now, this requires focus. It's not always fun because we're giving up things like Netflix, social media, video games, or whatever you find interesting enough to take your time. But it's necessary to remove the distractions to make this preparation worthwhile. Now, when you think about that, this brings us to David and his time in the wilderness. Now, as you remember from the summer sermon series, David had already been anointed the next king of Israel. He was waiting his turn. By this point, he had success, stability, and celebrity. But all of that was taken from him. At this point now, he's being hunted by the king he served faithfully. He possesses nothing besides the clothes on his back, and he has no one but a few losers and redirects who also have no place in society. It's during this time that most scholars believe that David wrote Psalm 63. I'm not sure when. Um, there's not a lot of historical context for what specifically he was. Was he at the cave? Was he in the wilderness of En Gedi? But I like to think of David sitting by himself at the end of another day spent running from Saul's army. He's probably spent most of his evening resting up, trying to figure out who's with him, what supplies he has left. He doesn't have much. And despite that, he's still able to write this Psalm 63. And Psalm 63 goes like this. It says, You, God, are my God. Earnestly I seek you. I thirst for you. My whole being longs for you in a dry and parched land where there is no water. I've seen you in the sanctuary and beheld your power and your glory. Because your love is better than life, my lips will glorify you. And I will praise you as long as I live, and in your name I will lift up my hands. I will be fully satisfied as with the richest of foods. With singing lips, my mouth will praise you. On my bed, I remember you. I think of you through all the watches of the night. And because you are my help, I sing in the shadow of your wings. I cling to you. Your right hand upholds me. Those who want to kill me will be destroyed. They will go down to the depths of the earth. They will be given over to the sword and become food for jackals. But the king will rejoice in God. All who swear by God will glory in him, while the mouths of liars will be silenced. Not exactly something you expect to hear from someone who is on the run and has nothing. Um, from this, I, I found two important concepts in two parts of the psalm. So the first half of the psalm, verses 1 through 6, speak for David's desire for God and his goodness above all else. Now think about what it is that David has compared God's goodness to. In this, he has compared, uh, he desires God more than he desires water when he is in a wilderness desert. 
He believes that God is more satisfying than fine food. When First Samuel will tell us that David ran from Saul without anything, even food or his sword. And, and finally, instead of valuing sleep and the rest that he needs to keep his energy up to maintain this, this escape, he is up at all times of the night thinking about God and the goodness of God and how he still has it. Now, the second part kind of tells us a little more about that as well. From verse 7 through 11, David reflects on his gratitude and his confidence in God's promises and justice. Even though there is, uh, even though the possibility of him being king is smaller than ever because of the circumstances, David holds strong to God's word and his promise as God's anointed king. In verse 11, he is the king that uh, he refers to. David is the king that he refers to. So when we're thinking about this, um, to borrow from Sean, what's the big idea? Well, the, the main thing here is that David did not focus on what he lost because he knew what he already had. Now, it's true that we're, gonna, we're more likely to find God when we're in the wilderness, away from our comfort and our routines. You know, the wilderness is a theme through the Bible as a place of testing, of preparation, um, and prelude. David did this. Elijah was also in the wilderness. John the Baptist came out of the wilderness. Jesus came out of the wilderness. They all used time there to be prepared for their missions and ministries. Now, in, in the same way, we've had an opportunity to let God connect with us when the COVID-19 pandemic has stripped us of so much of what we've hold on, held on to for security and stability. Now, think for yourself for a minute. Are there ways that God has used the pandemic to bless you, to grow your relationship with him? And if so, or if not, regardless, are there ways that you can use the rest of the pandemic to grow in your faith? These are questions I hope we can reflect on, but ultimately the, the, the one thing to remember most is this. The wilderness hopefully has shown you that the focus is not on losing the world, but in finding Christ. And that through that, you have gained more than you could have imagined. Now, Charles Spurgeon said it this way, to dwell with God is better than life at its best. Life at ease, in a palace, in honor, wealth, or in pleasure. Yes, a thousand lives are not to the eternal life, which abides in Jehovah's smile. Uh, To take it from a more direct source, Matthew 13, 44 through 46 says this, the kingdom of heaven is like treasure hidden in a field. When a man found it, he hid it again. Then in his joy went and sold all he had and bought the field. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant looking for fine pearls. When he found one of great value, he went away and sold everything he had and bought it. You know, the key here is always on the finding rather than the losing, because the trade was so good. But it is easy for us to um, get distracted by what we have lost. And so I, I, I like to think that David also had this kind of dilemma and that he used this Psalm 63 especially, half as a declaration of his faith and half as a reminder of himself to have this faith. And so finally, that's, that's kind of why I picked the song uh, 
uh, for praise this morning. Um, if I could share with you the words to the chorus, it says this. It says, God of mercy, sweet love of mine, I have surrendered to your design. May this offering stretch across the sky and these hallelujahs be multiplied. For me, this is my reminder. I listen to this song a lot in good times and in bad because it reminds me that God is my constant source of joy, that nothing that is given or taken from me should supersede that. Um, from this, I, I would encourage you to do the same. And I hope that you are able to find today or this week the ability to, um, or at least a new or a renewed sense of how God loves you and how valuable and priceless that is for us. So let's pray. Dear Lord, we do thank you for your love. We thank you for how priceless your love is and the gift of eternal life is that you've given us. God, we, I confess that sometimes the free nature of your gift makes it seem worthless rather than priceless. We pray that you would help me and all of our community to remember and to be reminded that you are worth everything. Thank you, Lord. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen.